Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in April of 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our channel will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service, as well as encouraging stories and conversations with members of our LSQ church family. We hope you'll subscribe as a way to stay connected during this season of uncertainty and social distancing. Today's reading is from Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. You shall not steal. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Amen. Good morning and welcome again to Redeemer Lincoln Square. Today, we are spending our second week on... Uh, the command, do not steal. Some of you are like, why do we need two whole weeks on this? And the reason why is because uh, I believe that we struggle with identifying with this command. That we, we don't feel like it really applies to us. We don't really feel like it really uh, is something that we need to work through. And so we're doing two weeks on this And I think to help us, I think what I'd like us to do is to focus on an essential question here this morning. And that question is this. What role should our possessions have in our lives? 
what role should we allow them to affect our identity? I'm pretty sure most of us in this room have not really asked ourselves that question, which is actually kind of dumb if you think about it because most of our lives are spent around buying, selling, dealing with possessions and with stuff. And so I think that what's, imp- when, what's important here is last week we saw that do not steal has something to do with generosity, that the positive side of do not steal means to be generous. But there's also, I think what I want to look at today is that this text is commenting on how we relate to our possessions, how we relate to stuff. And so let's break it down this way. Let's look at how do we steal, why do we steal, and then who can actually stop stealing. I'll say it again. How do we steal, why do we steal, and then how, I mean, sorry, who can then be people who can stop stealing. So first, how do we steal? And a lot of you are like, what? Me? How dare you? And the reason why you feel that way is because I think most of society inside this church and outside this church, we know that stealing's wrong, which is why we have to go deeper. We have to go down into how we relate to our stuff and how it actually affects us. I'll give you a story about this. 2003, 18 years ago, my wife and I, we moved from our five, I think it was a fifth floor walk up on the Upper East Side, 2nd Avenue, 3rd Avenue, and we moved to a a one-bedroom, because we were moving up in the world, from a studio to one-bedroom with an elevator in it, which is like we had made it on the Upper West Side. And we moved, we got a U-Haul, some friends, and we were piling our bins of our stuff in the basement to be taken up in the elevator. I threw my wallet in one of the bins, you know, making sure it was going to get upstairs. But when we got upstairs, I couldn't find my wallet. It was, like, we looked everywhere, and I realized that when we were stacking the bins, the only people who had been around my stuff were my friends, and then there were some handymen who had been coming and going uh, to their office space. So I did the, what I thought was the right thing. I went down there and went to the handyman and said, hey, have you seen this? And they, they of course, took it very accusationally, and I, maybe I was. I didn't know, because I was, I was so flustered about it, I couldn't find it. Well, a couple hours later, I was... Uh, throwing some stuff away in the dumpster behind the, the building, and there was my wallet. And it was empty. It had, it had no cash, no ID, no, no, no credit cards. But it confirmed for me that it actually had been stolen. And if it's ever happened to you before, there's this feeling that kind of comes over you. I still remember it. it when something important and precious to you is taken from you, it feels like a violation. That you've been violated, that you lose trust in life, you lose trust in other people. And by the way, this was 2003, there was more crime there. I know you don't read the papers that are like, crime is up 30, 40%. It's true, up from the lowest it's been in hundreds of years. That actually, crime is nowhere near what it was in 2003 or 2013 even. And, uh, you know, we, nobody back then was like saying, oh my gosh, we're in a crime spree or something like that. I don't know why. I'm, I'm digressing. I better shut up. Moving on. The point is this. When something is stolen, you don't just lose that object. That object is now gone. When something is stolen, it, you, you feel like it affects you, that your rights have been violated. That it's not just your stuff. That it's yourself 
that's been, that, that's, been, that's been affected. So let me give you another example. My books. Um, I love my books. They're like old friends. And I long to see them again. But during COVID, uh, we lost our office space. We had to pack everything up. And uh, my books are there. And I, I can't get access to them. But if you saw my books, you would look at them and you would learn a lot about me. You'd know what I love. You'd know, you know what I love to read about. What I, what I care about. If you came to my home, though, and you looked at my wardrobe, you would learn something as well. You would learn what I don't love. I don't really have much fashion sense. And I don't really have much, like, you know, I, I tend to wear very similar things all the time because that's who I am. So possessions of books, yes. Possession of clothes, eh. But what's going on here? These are examples of possessions that aren't just stuff. They're reflections of who we are. The reflections, we, we've, we've uh, put, in our, put in them our identity. We infuse, infuse value in them. Which means then when we steal, we are not just stealing from others by taking their object. We're actually taking, there's a, violate, there's a violating of the person's personhood. Which means that property and possessions are not neutral entities. They're actually means of dehumanizing other individuals. Let me quickly um, walk through the three ways that you can acquire things. And these, these are, you can do this properly and improperly. I got this from Lewis Smeads. He says, you can acquire things through conquest, contract, or creation. Conquest, contract, or creation. Now, you can conquest. Most con- I'm not going to spend much time here because that's the main way we know how stealing happens is through conquest, wrongful conquest. There's, there are people who have taken, there's the, you know, in the Bible, there's the Amalekites and the Amorites. There's people who God says, no, you should conquest those individuals. But generally, we've done conquest improperly and wrongfully through uh, various forms. The second way, probably the way that you mostly have gotten things is through contract, which is buying and selling, right? You enter into a contract with somebody, and uh, you've, that's how you've gotten your economic, like your possessions economically. Now, uh, just because you got into a contract doesn't mean, though, that you did not not steal. Because not all contracts are fair, are they? That just because something is legal doesn't necessarily make it ethical. And I know we live in New York City where we live in a finance world, and people are like, hey, shouldn't we be making good deals? Shouldn't, aren't deals a good thing? And the answer is yes, you should be looking for good deals. It's called shrewdness. But just because something's a good deal for you doesn't mean it's not a good deal. Usually it means it's not a good deal for them. There's been a whole conversation about how in the past hundred years, the raw materials that were in Africa, the corporations that actually made the deals to get them, the individuals in Africa undervalued what, you know, their materials were worth. And most people today would say, wait a second, there was, that was, there was a, a level of injustice that happened in how we acquired those materials. Because how we interact with our contracts. It's about, I mean, you're going, wait, wait so is all, is everything going to be perfect? I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's some ethical level about fairness that has to come with when it comes to contracts. And that stealing can and cannot happen. You can enter into, into good contracts and bad ones. Thirdly, though, creation. This is probably the easiest one of saying how we acquire things because when you make a painting, you've, you've put your image on something. If you build some furniture, You've, you've made that, in that, that thing. But also, when you get paid for services rendered, 
right? When you work a job and you're paid a monetary sum, what's going on there? That you ha- that's a type of value that you have gotten and because of, of your creation. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, and it's not an easy one, which is, are the ways that we possess things, we're, they're invalid if they violate the personhood of another, per, of another individual. That is, if stealing is violence towards another individual, how we get our possessions through conquest, contract, or creation matters. And I think this is where Christianity is so unique. Because look, 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 look at some of these systems. Capitalism says that your money is yours. Socialism says, no, your money is the state. Capitalism, I think, personally, it's naive that if you just leave humans alone, they'll, they will give money for the common good. And I think history shows that's not always the case. But socialism is naive because it thinks that the state can do a better job than the individual. Well, what happens often with the state is that they tend to uh, wield that, those finances just as poorly, and they tend to exploit people just bureaucratically. Only Christianity says your stuff is not primarily yours or the state's. It's actually God's. And he gave it to you not just, and what our text that we're seeing here, what Paul's talking about, is he gave it to you not just for you, but for you to bless others. Which is why Christianity says that when we create something, and we, 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 you never create something out of nothing. That your skills, your brain, your talent, somebody taught that to you. Your, your DNA, that was given to you. That you and I d- did nothing in our lives to make sure that we were born in 20, you know, so that we were alive in 2021 so that you could be in the industry that you're in right now. I guarantee you, if we were all born in 1348, nobody in this room would be doing what they're doing right now. Right? And you didn't do anything for that. That wasn't you. And so, if that's true, that means the creations that you make, any contract that you enter into, any, any way that you, you use your power to possess things, that's actually not ultimately yours. And if we knew that, you know, guess what would happen? The things that we would have in this world, the stuff that we focus on, we would hold them less personally, wouldn't we? Because we would know that the acquisition of them wasn't fully because of something I did. You see, and, and I, so this, I think this is an important fact that I don't know if we think about a lot. That you can steal when you take possessions from somebody else, but you can also steal when we don't give the proper designation of where we got something. So I, this is what I would love for us to do. When was the last time that you've walked through your assets and properly assessed where you got them from. Uh, your 401k. Some of you have a 401k. Where'd you get that? Well, I got that from my job. Where did you get your job? Well, I got that because of my abilities. Where did you get your abilities? Oh, okay, I didn't, I guess I didn't get my, I guess I worked on them, right? So education, huh? So I got them from my education. Well, who gave you that education? You know, eventually, you're going to get to the place where it was, it didn't come from you. And since nothing comes from nothing, that's, you know, a law of thermodynamics. So un- unless we accurately acknowledge where we get stuff, there's a level of, there's a kind of stealing that happens there. And so I think that's, if you want to know, how do you steal? How dare you say that I steal? Well, I think if we're not properly placing it, and I know we're not, because I think every day we forget where we get our stuff. Now, that's how. 
At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastors and other members of our church community. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our virtual worship service on YouTube every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Eastern. You can find our YouTube channel at lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash YouTube. Secondly, why? Why do we steal? Here we have to do a little bit of a biblical overview. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. And what happens there is when the minute God created humanity, Adam and Eve, here you go. What does he say? Hey, you own everything. No. He says, fill the world and subdue it. Now that's a, that's a really important distinction. When he says subdue something, he's saying do something with it. There's this creation, there's this garden, there's this stuff. But do something with it. He didn't say you made the plants. He didn't say, by, the, and they, by the way, Adam and Eve did not make the plants. But they cultivated it. So actually, the, the, the concept of a gardener is actually really helpful here. Because did a gardener make the plants? No. But the gardener cultivated and did stuff with the plants. And so I think it's, this is really important for us that if we rule over it, we're told to take care of it. So there's something about being human. By the way, this happens before the fall, doesn't it not? That there's something about work before the fall happens that you have been given as humanity to take care of stuff. But why? Why are you supposed to take care of it? You're supposed to take care of it to literally build and make, to provide obviously for yourself, but to provide for others. That's where the term stewardship comes from. A steward in the Bible is not somebody who owns something outright for themselves. It's somebody who's managing and involved in the work of someone else, the property of someone else for the betterment of the world. Sadly, I don't believe we're good stewards. I've already told you why. One, because we forget that we're stewards and not owners. Two, I think it's uh, uh, the reason why we, uh, well, let me give you an example of that. Go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy regularly is reminding us over and over, it's warning us, be careful. Your tendency is to forget. Go to Deuteronomy 8. There God says that everything that's good comes from him. That we're so praise God for everything, lest we, this is verse 17, lest we say to ourselves, my power and the, my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Translation, if you don't properly acknowledge where you get your possessions, that's stealing. And by the way, I'm not saying this. The, the scriptures are telling us that. You know this, plagiarism is a form of stealing, is it not? When you plagiarize, what are you doing? You're taking somebody else's idea and you're panning it off as your own. You're saying, hey, I've I've written, there's a book out there, but I'm going to take the logical flow, I'm going to take the ideas from it, and I'm not even going to tell you where I got it from because I think I'm going to tell you that I got it for myself. Right? What's going on there is you're saying that these ideas, these are mine and primarily mine. And when you're doing that, what you're doing this is this. You're saying, I don't owe God anything. I don't owe him for where everything comes from. Because what you're doing is at some level you're saying, I did this. And when you do that, 
You're not giving God his proper credit. One minister called it this way. One minister said, that's called cosmic plagiarism. Because you're, you're, you're not giving the proper designation of where you got things. And what happens then is it's an ingratitude for what we've been given, and it's a denial of where we got it from. I think Paul's saying the exact same thing in our text. Look at verse 13. He's saying to these Corinthians, you've been given so much. The Corinthian church was a, was a, a church filled with resources. But then he says, that's great. But verse 13, it's our desire not that others might be relieved where you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Now, hear what he's not saying. He's not saying everybody has to be equal. The word equality means that there is a level of exchange of possessions. And he's like, I'm not, I don't want you to be hard-pressed now. But he does say the point of your possessions is not to hold on to them yourselves. It's to be out in giving. This is why in verse 14 he says, at this present time, your plenty will supply Uh, will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Paul is not saying everybody has to have the same thing. In fact, you know in the church there's different people who had more or less. What was different is nobody had need. Because why? People were willing to give. And he's saying, hey, if you do have need one day, you'll be given too. And so what he's getting at is you have been given stuff in plenty. Are you willing to realize that what you've been given is not actually yours. It wasn't yours in the first place. Everything's given by God. And yes, you Corinthians, you've been given a lot. Now do something with it. If it's all his, then we would do well to treat it as such, which is why look at the last verse, verse 15. Paul makes this mental allusion to manna from heaven because the Exodus story was that it was provided by God. From heaven, from God, that's how we should see our own stuff. How do you want to apply that today? Let me try to be as blunt as possible. You were not made to live on this earth for 80 to 90 years to spend toiling on this spinning rock so that each year you can make enough money to live the next life so that you can one day die. That's, That's not your purpose the Gotham fellows are, the, the, what they went through is screaming this to the rest of us that you were made for so much more. You and I are, are made for as caretakers of creation. You are ambassadors of stuff that's meant to then take it and steward this out into the world. To have dominion over it. Hear me what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that everybody has to have the same. I am saying your relationship to your stuff needs to have a completely different uh, um, take for you for, compared to what everybody else does out there. Because it's always supposed to be in the service for others. Our modern world, you know what our modern world says? Get a bunch of stuff and hopefully you get enough for yourself so that you individually can have a happy life somewhere. That's, that's, just, you're, you're, that's not a healthy vision. You will, if you do that, you will either knowingly or unknowingly be stealing. You'll be committing cosmic plagiarism, and even worse, you'll probably eventually start looking to that stuff to fill a gap, to fill a hole in your life that only he can fill. When my wallet was stolen, right, when I felt that violation, my rights were being taken from me, 
because somebody else at that moment owned what I had, what was mine. In the same way, if you go through your life without designating where you get every last thing, think about this. I mean, I was just, this week, I was like, maybe, no, I was, I, I, I was not on, you know, eating or drinking anything, but I was looking at my fingers, I was like, look at this thing. I didn't get to, I didn't design the ability to do this with my thumb. How awesome is this? You get to use this every day. This is pretty awesome. Right? Have I ever thanked God? Like, I have a hand, I have, I have a mind that I can do this? Right? Do we praise God for it? Do we give him a due? Because if we don't, we are not only robbing God of his rights, we use what we think is ours as a means of getting our identity. Books and the lack of fashion sense is actually a great way to explain who I am. It's not a great way to define who I am. And I think it's what happens is we use it to define ourselves. But the, again, why, why? It's not really mine. Your brain and your heart, every breath you take from here on out is actually borrowed time. And the, what God is telling us to do is he's saying, do something with it. Not for yourself, but for others. Or else we're going to be stealing. So last point. Who can stop stealing? By the way, I purposely didn't say how to not stop because it's, it's more about who. When I was in sixth grade, so we're going to go, you know, even, we're not, in the, we're not in 2003 anymore. We're early 90s where people were wearing puffy jackets. Well, I guess that just came back, right? See, I don't know fashion. Back in the early 90s, they had puffy jackets, and I, it was winter time. I, I was right around the corner from my public school, and I was at a bodega, and I went in there, I went to the candy bar section, and I put a candy bar in my pocket. I grabbed another candy bar, and I went up to the cashier, and I paid for one candy bar and not the other. I actually had money for both because I had it all planned out. That if the guy was like, hey, there's a candy bar in your, in your pocket, I was going to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Here, I have the money. I'm going to pay for it. I've been asking myself ever since that, that time, I've been asking myself, why did I do that? Right? What? What, what was my sixth grader s- self thinking at that time? And I processed it. I think it was at some level for the thrill of it. I think it was because I wanted to know if I could get away with it. I think I was also being a dumb sixth grader. And those are all part of the answer. But at the end of the day, I think I did it because I wasn't sure that I had enough. That I needed to know that I was something because I did something, because this is my identity that I needed to take at some level because I felt like I didn't have enough cosmically. I had loving parents. I had the money for it, and yet that wasn't enough. Maybe you've never stolen a candy bar, but I promise you there's probably things that you're looking at to right now because you feel like you need those things for your identity, that you're going to take, that you're going to grab, How can we stop? I think the best answer I've gotten in in our biblical text, if you go to Philippians 2, if you read the King James Version, this is what it says, that Paul's trying to explain why Jesus came. And it says there in verse 6, Jesus, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He thought it not robbery. 
Why that translation? Well, what's he getting at? Jesus had everything, did he not? He was the second member of the Trinity. He was the owner of, let me think about it, everything. Deserver of immortality, omniscience, omnipresence, all love, all approval, all acceptance. They were his by right. And yet, he thought it was not robbery to give those things up. He gives them up, loses everything, dies, what, penniless, so that we thieves who steal our identities every single day, we actually latch on to some of the possessions that he had for significance, playing them off as our own. He does that so that we can have him, so that we can get him. Jesus basically said it was worth it. It was not robbery to lose my possessions so that you and I might have the ability to know that he's your possession. I think that's the only thing that's going to fix our tendency to take. It's, 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 it's if the creator of the universe, the owner of all things, gives up his rights to possessions. Well, we might actually have the possibility of realizing that we don't need those possessions for ourselves either. We have him. I wish Jesus could go back to that sixth grader self of me and say, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to take for yourself. You have me. And I'm enough. I wish he would do that. I wish Jesus would come to me now in my adult self, right, and, and say, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't need to get titles and acclaim and, and acceptance. You have me. Take that. Don't take these other things for identity. Right? Think of all the things that you've added to your resume. I've added master's degrees and doctorate degrees. And I just, shh, Michael, you don't need that. I'm enough. Jesus has restored relationship with us. And only if you realize that can you have a healthy relationship with your stuff. How? New degrees mean not more love for you. There's a, now those degrees can be used for the love of others. Right? M money is, you used to use money for your own happiness to get possessions. Now money can just be money and you can use it for the happiness of others because you don't need it for your happiness. You have him. If he was your inheritance, if you allow that to be true, if you allow that to sit in the center of your experience, an inheritance that can't be taken, that can't depreciate in value, that can't be stolen, that will always be with you, that he's yours and your, and your mine, then you can risk losing everything. You can risk and be okay with having everything gone. In fact, here's the truth. Your health will leave you. Your stuff will leave you or you, or you will leave it one day. Your friends will leave you. Your job will leave you. Things, those things will hurt still, by the way, when it happens. But they won't destroy you. They won't end you. They won't have the last word. Because you have him and he is enough. What if we, to end, here's what I want us to do. What if we, before we walked out of here, we could look at our possessions and say to them, you're not my life. What if we could all look at our stuff, our clothes, our resumes, our jobs, our kids, our parents, our fathers, all the things of the world and say these things are good things 
but they're not ultimate things, and I'm not going to place them there because he's ultimate. He's what's important. Everything else then can be put in its proper place. Please, I'm still asking. I think God still wants you to go out in the world and subdue it and work, right? That all happened pre-fall. That was all good in and of itself, but please don't do it to gain the possessions because he's your possession. This, this country has made this sin primary, whether it's through capitalism, individualism, enslavement of others, because what we've done is we've had an improper placement of possessions. And you might not think that I'm not in, I've never done that. I think I've just built the argument at some level you are doing cosmic plagiarism and you're not allowing him to be center of your life. If you're not a Christian here today or you're not sure, if, if you've made him the center, it starts with a very simple prayer. All you have to say is, Lord, I know I look to my things. I look to my identity. And, I, and what happens because I'm doing that, I'm daily going up and down based on how I feel if I'm getting what I need or what I want. But all, help me to see all I need is you. Help me to see that all I need in you is enough. That's the prayer. What might this look like practically in your life? You want to get practical? Last week we said it means a life of generosity. This week, look at verse 9. It says in the text, you know grace. You know it's about what he's done. It's about grace. You know it intellectually. Move it into your life experientially. Think. Pray. Center yourself. Don't, please don't walk out of here and spend the next 80, 90 years of your life spinning on this rock without the intentionality of why you're doing what you're doing. We're about to move into communion here. Communion is, is bread. It's, 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 you know, the cup. These are meager possessions meant to say the promises inherent in them is enough for your life. Let that move in your life. And if you did that, that now you can go out and, and not work for your agenda, work for his agenda. What's, what was his agenda? His agenda is nothing less than the redemption and restoration of all of creation. And if you're like, oh, that sounds so hard, you are finite. You live in a 24-hour experience. You don't have to do everything. Just do your part. As you, broken, imperfect, but loved and redeemed. It starts with joy. It always starts with joy. You are my joy. You are my possession, Lord. Command me and direct me. It begins with faith. Some of you haven't thought, faith is trust, friends. Will you trust him or will you trust your stuff? You have a choice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can say to you, you have given us everything. You've given us the historical location to live in. You've given us minds and hearts and fingers and toes. And so we give everything back to you. Help us to not forget where we get our stuff. And when we realize that, then, then we can wield them differently. Father, you, don't want, you want us to be blessed. You want us to have stuff. But help us to also wield them in a, in a way not for ourselves but for others. We place ourselves in your care. 
Daily we forget this. Hourly we forget this. Let, we, we come to church week by week. We pray for folks to come back to church so they can experience what they know, potentially what they know in their head but not in their hearts. Father, if we, we are here today and we don't know what we know, help us to come asking, help us to come seeking, help us to see that you've come to us first, living and dying for us. We pray these things in your name. Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, and we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit lincolnsquare.redeemer.com.